Hi there. This is Father Colby with Father Gary, and this is our second podcast in our series going over the values of Redeemer uh, in light of this monastic vision of the church. And we're following up on this past Sunday sermon on tradition. And so uh, we want to invite y'all to process this and think through this with us. And so uh, to begin, uh, can you kind of situate uh, our, our place by just explaining what tradition is? Why is it important? I know there's a lot of yeah. ideas surrounding this. Yeah, yeah. Tradition is, um, I mean, it's an interesting one in the context of the monastery or series, Everyday Monks, which um, ultimately we're defining as a group of people uh, who have who are single-minded toward God. And so how does tradition uh, fit into that uh, I think that tradition does keep us aimed in the right direction. Um, it, it is tradition means something that is passed down or handed to us, uh, which then we receive and we continue and we pass down to the next generation. So, when we talk about being single-minded, it's it's talking about tradition as you know the the scripture, obviously the, the gospel uh, of Christ and the creed uh, and then the the lord's prayer the these various the, the sacraments these various instruments that god has used to pass down the traditions of the church that have uh, served to unify us by the work of his spirit and to help us uh, to journey continually to the heart of god rather than um kind of being led each in our own direction that's um Okay, so I think that's that idea is key. So as we're keeping in mind this idea of monastic or a monk, uh, an everyday monk, it means what we're talking about when we use this language is to be single-minded toward God. And how tradition is connected to this vision, it is to say that tradition bequeaths to us the very things required uh, necessary uh, to be and to be cultivated in being single-minded toward God. So, mm-hmm. uh, in other words, scripture, creeds, prayers, liturgies, sacraments, uh, these are the things gifted to the people of God that when we uh, avail ourselves uh, to to make use of precisely these things, uh, we are in our journey towards a single-minded, a single-hearted, wholehearted um, following God in earnest, and Mm -hmm. and it's through these resources. Is that? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think that it really has been um, the the way that these things have been preserved through generations. I think that it's it's worthy of us uh, heeding even Scripture's call to pass these things on. In Acts, you hear of um, the church devoting themselves to the prayers. You hear Jude um, contending for the faith delivered to all the saints, and then um, Paul to Timothy to guard um, that which has been entrusted to him, the, the, de- the good deposit entrusted to him. And so I think it's worthy of us at least thinking about how do, how do we do that 
And the monastery, the as everyday monks, uniquely kind of Anglican even, there there are unique ways that we are practicing the things that our ancestors practiced is a way of um, remaining unified and stable and committed to the deposit uh, that's been entrusted to us. So I grew up in a tradition <laughs> that's really funny, given what I'm about to say, uh, that was critical of tradition. Uh, that was actually kind of in my early formative years. Um, growing up in the church, it was, and I was taught to be wary of like the garbs of traditional mm-hmm. uh, traditionalism. Uh, and and even I was, I think early on, I read the Gospels uh, in such a way that the ministry of Jesus can even be interpreted to be like anti-tradition. Yeah. You know, that these yeah. these Pharisees are kind of this, this foil of traditionalism that Jesus has come to uh, to correct and rebuke, and, and Jesus's ministry is not traditional, and tradition is just like stoic, static, sterile, and Jesus has yeah. kind of come to... to yeah. um, and uh, one thing that I found interesting whenever I was um, in seminary, uh, going over these texts, the, the one that is coming to my mind is Mark 7, uh, where Jesus says, you know, that you're establishing these traditions of men and you're laying aside the commandments of God. Um, But realizing that Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees by using Scripture. (laughs) And Scripture is nothing if it is not tradition, namely handed down. And that's really what we're, you know, Scripture is precisely these are the words that we have received, uh, that have been handed down to us, and so Jesus is, um, is you know, addressing the Pharisees, playing fast and loose with the law mm-hmm. by using the law, um, and then Jesus is also not simply anti-tradition or anti-institutional. Uh, we're reminded even whenever he heals the uh, leper that he tells him, "Hey, go show yourself to the priests." You know, yeah. and offer right. offer your sacrifice. Um, yeah. So Jesus is clearly uh, located and planted within the stream of the Jewish tradition at that time. Yeah. Um, but is also the fountainhead of this. Uh, you know, uh, this what we're talking about today. These uh, hey, um, I'm going to show you know show you this bread and this wine. Do this. In remembrance of me. So, like, right. Jesus is even, we might say, self-conscious of the fact that tradition gives shape to the people of God. And what yeah. he's doing uh, is he's he's completely aware uh, of the necessities of these things. Right. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's the difference between traditional and traditionalism, which usually when you add an ism to the end of something, you're talking about it in a negative sense or... Or in the sense that that thing has become the end itself, and so the the some of the warnings that you hear even today against traditional uh, being traditional is is because is because they've observed maybe um, traditionalism, 
And so one thing that we need to be wary of is is when traditionalism or when tradition becomes the end itself rather than the means that God has used um, to preserve, pass down, unify his people. And, and it's always, I think, too, just sometimes it's a, it's almost like there was a disembodied faith or there was definitely a um, uh, disjointedness to, to the prayers that they were praying and the lives that they were living, whether it be the sacrifices they're offering apart from showing justice and extending mercy. And so Jesus tends to call us back to, um, I mean, the purity of religion, and, and, and uh, Paul does the same thing even. And so I think it's, it, it's, there's a danger to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, because of the legitimate concerns, um, yet there are, there are innumerable, as Jesus demonstrates, reasons why we should receive and pass on the traditions um, that have been given to us through the church. That's great. That's great. Uh, so if tradition is giving us the resources that we need as Christians to be single-minded toward God, namely scripture, uh, prayers, confessions, liturgies, these sacraments, these instruments of grace, um, to what extent are these things, uh, can we understand tradition in relation to our culture in which we live? Like, do you think that there is the, you know, an American tradition or, you know, a North Carolina Southern tradition, you know, all these things, these things that are being passed down culturally, all these cultural containers that we're surrounded by. And what's the relation between the tradition of the church and how it, you know, might or might not sit in tension with these traditions around us? Yeah, I think most people, when they talk about, like, um, oh, you're too traditional, or or we need to rethink the way we do church, or Sunday mornings, it, it, usually when they're criticizing tradition in that context, they're, they're criticizing, like, uh, hymns that were written in the 50s or something. <laughs> and now the traditions, you know, that we're criticizing maybe in, in the modern evangelical culture are, like, vineyard courses <laughs> from the 80s, you know? It's like... It's always kind of context in the, in a generation, but what we're talking about is um, the faith uh, once handed down uh, handed down through the apostles' teachings and and trying to. Um, but I think there's also contextualization when you think about monasticism in the British Isles. Um, it was kind of a a wild west out there, and and um, and so when when Rome sent. Uh, the delegation to bring uh, the British Isle, the church in the British Isle, under um, the fold, so to speak, and get it back under control of bishops and stuff that were, at that point, the church was kind of led by abbots and abbesses. Um, they found a even liturgies that were very sound yet contextualized. And so there are definitely ways that we contextualize, but we're also really dependent, I think, on tradition, even when we t- contextualize it, to keep us rooted in the in the principles, uh, the foundations of the tradition that's been given to us, and everything's kind of filtered through that to protect us from what Jude is uh, warned against, which is sensuality or um, kind of changing 
according to our whims, our appetites, our feelings, or your interpretation versus my interpretation. I mean, every generation, how are we able to not just continually remake ourselves? And then when you remake worship, ultimately, you're like, oh, my goodness, God all of a sudden looks like me. Um, And so I think it's important that at least the principles of um, tradition and some of the guardrails that have been given to us and the creeds and the liturgies and ultimately, I think, in in Scripture— and uh, the sacraments are, it's vital that we not throw them out as a, maybe an attempt to make things more palatable or even more appealing to ourselves for the onlooking world. Maybe then we're sort of gauging our, the effectiveness or the, the you know, genuine nature of our worship as the way I feel. Or something, and I think there's something deeper that needs to be looked at. So, following up on on some things that you just said there, uh, I want to touch on this concept of deeper. That tradition is that which allows us to be deeper, uh, and then you also said a little bit earlier, rooted. Um, one thing that I imagine for many modern people how we kind of like conceptualize ourselves in space and time is we often think of ourselves or we're tempted to think of ourselves uh, in a traditional ways a historical ways that we are somehow untethered or unhooked from anything that came before us mm-hmm. you know that we're free uh, thinkers you know that yeah. part of being you know a rational human being means that I don't allow any kind of language, social, cultural, religious container to like unduly sway my thinking, my thoughts, my practices. Um, One of the, I think, benefits of being explicit that what a Christian is, is someone steeped in tradition, is we are being explicit about our created uh, conditions, namely that we are creatures bound by space and time, Mm -hmm. that we are uh, receiving things handed down, and that in that space and time, that includes God in the flesh, Jesus uh, literally. And part of, you know, of course, the tradition of the apostolic succession is naming this, this bodily passing down this bodily continuity in space and time. But one one area that Crystal and I, as we were coming into the Anglican fold that we were thinking about, uh, where we saw that it was of great like spiritual benefit that we are explicit about being in uh, a Christian, not simply the Christian tradition, but coming into the Anglican fold for us, uh, we found that being uh, being or describing ourselves as like not traditional uh, mm-hmm. or a traditional that that was kind of a way uh, to kind of keep our hands clean. We we didn't want to claim this part of the church, mm-hmm. you know, this bloodshed or these, uh, you know, name it. Like uh, we're we're all aware of these like moral. And even like theological low points mm-hmm. uh, in yeah. in the in the church, and 
uh, even in our own lives, right? But there is something like very sterile about saying, oh no, I'm not a, a, a part of any particular tradition. And there is something um, humble and sometimes humiliating <laughs> about yeah. saying, no, these are my people. Yeah. Um, and uh, every, I think every tradition has that. But we, we saw that like tethering ourselves like explicitly and intentionally into a, a, a an expression of the church that was self-conscious of the fact that we are a people of tradition. Mm-hmm. A Christian is nothing uh, if not a traditional right. expression of a human being, namely someone who has received what has been passed down, namely the gospel. This is right. how Paul speaks of it in, in 1 Corinthians. The right. gospel is precisely that which has been yeah. passed down. Yeah, and that we we take the story of our ancestors as our own story. We mm. read from Deuteronomy this week that when your sons ask you why do we you know why are these the rules and statutes that you would say we were once slaves in Egypt. And and we see the same thing in Jude. We're storied people. We're storied in this tradition, this thing that has been passed down to us. It's it's things that we're steward of. And I think now we're just so really individualistic in so many ways conditioned by our culture to think for ourselves that uh, being um, steeped, I think, in the tradition of the church is is a it is a call in itself to humility when you think about a monastery and coming into it. Um, it, is, it is very different. Um, than the world around it. it. It operates different. There's a different politic, different way of being. Their language and custom is different. And sometimes we change that. I think when we change that to maybe because of cultural um, uh, influence, I think we lose something really meaningful in, in, it, in our particular way of being is an invitation into the life of God. And so maintaining that is important, but we also submit ourselves to that. Like we submit ourselves to um, the story that we've been swept up in. And every week we enact the story, reenact it over and over again at the table. We retell it in the liturgy. We follow the acolytes in like the... the, um, Israelites would follow the procession even to the temple, singing psalms. We are participants in this story. And I I think this week we talked about uh, sometimes the potential to remain out on the narthex and look in but never fully come into the church. And I think it's it's a call to submit ourselves um, to the tradition of the church in a way that says, I'm taking, I'm leaving this thing behind me, and I'm I'm fully entering in this new way of being. And I think the way, the, obviously, the best way to do that, the only way to do that, is in in the context of a people, a community, who then we become single-minded um, as we pray together, as we sing together, as we kneel together, as we partake of the same meal together. That God is bringing us together as this people. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. One of the images I get in my mind uh, when I think about what are um, 
what are the ways to think about a people who are uh, traditional or a people who value um, and are explicit about tradition? I think of the posture of open hands Mm. uh, to be people who are of tradition is to be people who recognize that the life that they have is a life that they've received. Um, It's a posture of reception. It's open hearts, uh, open hands, where we are available uh, to the activity of God that has been enacted in space and time, in history, in the present, and in the present. And so when we're talking about you know, those things that have been handed down. This is, right, the the kind of wooden definition of tradition, those things that have been handed down. Um, We are in the posture of open hands receiving, and that is a a humble posture. And I think that uh, humility Mm -hmm. is, I mean, it's an enormous value in the monastic community uh, in these early, these I mean, these early nuns and monks knew that if they did not cultivate the virtue of humility, uh, that sanctity would be impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and that's really of the three, um, the, those those three historical vows that they took. The vow of obedience uh, was unto the end of humility. It was to uproot pride. <laughs> right, right. Um, and part of uh, this this uh, obedience of of listening to Jesus that we are to do these things in in memory of Him to pass this down, as Paul is talking about in First Corinthians. Um, in other words, I think for Paul, and we're talking about receiving uh, this creed and this liturgy and this communion of Christ's body, that going to church and participating in the mass is itself itself an act of humility yeah yeah and associated with that first act uh that first rule of of benedictine monasticism is uh the vow of obedience is the vow to hear or to listen which Mm. is 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 i think associated with a posture of receiving Mm. um first yeah yeah this is Great stuff. It's good. We have an amazing story that we're a part of, and man, what a what a blessing it is to be uh, to be a part of Redeemer specifically, but also just the the beautiful story that's been uh, passed down through Scripture, and then ultimately through the the Anglican Church, and now here we are. Yeah, so. it's a beautiful thing. Well, thanks. Uh, yeah, thank you, and yeah, everybody, we'll stay week. tuned for what's coming. Bye.